Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. And I'm here with a person I've known a very long time. I seem to get a call from this person every time he moves house. He's uh, Dr. Martin Hiscock. He's an interventionist cardiologist uh, at the Epworth. And welcome to the program. Thanks, Stephen. Now, Martin, it's interesting because you're a well-respected doctor and... uh, but you could e- equally be a well-respected designer, even though you're not trained. <laughs> you, <laughs> That's very I first, I first met, just a bit of backstory, I first uh, met Martin when he owned the Roy Grounds Hill Street House in Turak and was really the prototype to the National Gallery of Victoria. Tell me about the history of that house and what brought you to that house in the first instance. Yeah, and your love of architecture, because yeah. I think it's fascinating. Well, it's a funny house because you, you're intrigued because it just doesn't look like a normal house. It's so unconventional. So you do what everyone does and you walk up and you still don't get any hints. So you hold on to the windowsill and you do a chin-up yes. and you look inside. <laughs> and it's remarkable because it's a square house surrounding a central round courtyard with floor-to-ceiling glass all the way around the courtyard. And I used to look on top of this ledge when I owned it, and there were thousands of fingerprints <laughs> <laughs> where everyone had had a butcher's over the years. But no, it intrigued me as a child because it was so different. And I'd just finished up in Oxford where I'd done my training, and I wrote to the guy who owned it, whose name was David Haig. He goes, H-A-I-G, like the whiskey. And uh, I liked it so much, I made David an offer, and he accepted it. But I was a bit presumptuous because I started redirecting my mail, Steve, to the house before, <laughs> before I actually coffee. owned it. Said, You're a cheeky bugger. <laughs> but a wonderful house. And um, Roy Grounds always believed in one simple, strong idea. Uh, so he was highly influenced by geometric shapes. He did the triangular house and he did the round house at Frankston. And this was, as you say, a prototype for the gallery. So, so basically, it's a square with a centre cut out in the middle, which is a round right. courtyard. That's right. And it was lived in by himself and Betty? Yeah, he and Betty lived there for many, many years. And uh, then they moved to South Yarra. The interesting thing about the design is everything is radiused off the centre. There used to be a, a persimmon tree. So the house was built around the persimmon tree, which subsequently mm. died. But... So all the joinery was sort of wedge-shaped, if you look at the plan view. And uh, so we noticed that it wasn't the same as, it, as the old photographs. So I actually approached the State Library, and lo and behold, we found the original drawings, mm. which was so exciting. And then we set about getting all the original joinery redone as per original. It is interesting. You are very fastidious, so if I ever need any heart work i will come to you martin because with this house you were you really dissected it down to the grouting i mean the yeah. from memory the plumbing came from the toilet and basin came from a roy grounds house nearby yeah. the tiles the cork tiles that were on yes. the dining room wall right. had been removed and you tracked them down and realized that the company had moved to America and yeah. you contacted them in America. Yeah, we, we just looked up architectural journals of the time and there was the company that was still in existence. Um, 
Yeah, look, I like to be faithful. I mean, I think if someone goes and buys an E-Type Jag or an mm. old Ferrari, they don't want the dashboard modernised and redone. Mm. So why would you change it in any house? As long as the plumbing's respectable and it works, yeah. it should be of the era. Uh, I think for a house to hang together, there has to be harmony of the objects within it and also the fitments within it. And I was helped very much by Don Fulton, who, who was a colleague of Roy's, and he was sort of my... Still working? Yeah. He was a connection to Roy. So I felt like Roy was still around. I became friends with his late wife, Betty, Lady mm. Betty Grounds, and then subsequently purchased their property in South Yarra, which sadly Roy never got to live in. Uh, that was about know. early 80s. Early 80s. 1983. The house was, yeah. From the second Roy Grounds yeah. house you moved to in South Yarra, yeah. which was also a fascinating house, yeah. beautifully done, won an award at the time, I it believe. Did. It won the William Wilkinson Wardell Award. Very different, totally different. How, how did um, you just stumble on on the next Roy Grounds house? Well, it was interesting because uh, uh, Betty actually became a patient of mine. <laughs> And I said, this can't continue uh, because I like your house. <laughs> so you're going to have to go somewhere, see a good colleague of mine. And um, no, it was the beginning of a very good relationship with both her and her daughter, Victoria. And again, very simple house. It was. Orientated um, to the north. It's orientated to the north. Uh, when you walk in the front door, you look straight through to the garden, which I always like. I think that's very clever. Beautiful wooden parquetry floors. Simple wooden joinery. Um, silk wallpapers. Yeah, uh, raw silk. Raw silk. Raw wallpaper. silk, which she, she heavily influenced the interior design of that house, just as she did quite a number of Roy's projects. And it's unique. It's lovely. No western windows, so you didn't cop the sun. And so it was beautifully regulated temperature. And, but unfortunately, just too small for families, just a two-bedroom house. Must have been terribly hard to move. Oh, it is. I, I regret moving out of that house. It was a beauty. It was a real little gem. And then you you seem to be a bit ahead of the pack. <laughs> and then you purchased a, a house by, you moved on from there, and you bought a Nick Boschler house. And he's one of our great architects, not always appreciated, really, for his, his yeah. extraordinary work. But you bought a Nick Boschler so that's yes. quite a big jump from the, yeah, you know, Nick, from Roy Grounds to Nick Boschler. What was it about Nick Boschler's work? I like the vistas and the open space of Nick's work. He's, he has lots of uh, voids. The double height spaces. Yeah, incredible. And all the gardens have fabulous, uh, or oh, sorry, all the bedrooms have fabulous courtroom gardens, courtyard gardens, even though they're on the first floor yeah. with succulents and stones and... He puts ponds around the living room. And I think he works closely with Rick Day, the yes, landscape designer. He does. That's right. Rick's very good. But no, it was a lovely house. Timeless, again, but in a different way. And soaring spaces, beautiful yeah, rooms. Very much. And then... Very when, Scandinavian. Just when I think you settled, Martin. <laughs> it's off again. <laughs> off again. And uh, Martin, for the last few years, has been restoring his wonderful Guildford Bell House in Brighton, known as the Seckle House. Yeah. So you weren't planning to move. An agent said you might be interested. Oh, I, look, why? You look, know, Stephen, it was just f funny because I said to a friend uh, who's Graham Fisher's partner, 
Anthony, I'd love to see inside that house because it's so underpublished. It features in both the Guildford Bell books, but there's never been a, mm. an article on any glossy about it or anything. So I was intrigued to see it. And next thing you know, I had an inspection. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I went along on my own. I didn't tell my wife. And uh, I was so impressed by the symmetry, the pure form, the scale of the place. It's huge. It's maybe about 500 square metres and an F-shaped floor plan with the wings both facing north. North, so no need for a second storey, all on one level, you know, sweeping travertine floors and, again, that enfilade. Purity. Unbelievable. And I thought, I must get Sylvana back to see this. This is something that's really special. And Needed a bit of work, though. It had been it was partial and partially reworked in the 80s. Yes, yeah, had, it had a renovated kitchen from the 80s, which I didn't think suited. And uh, part of it was actually falling down. Uh, the galleries were no longer suspended, so the glass was actually deforming. Mm-hmm. And so I think we got it just in time. And it was a lot of work, but... Again, I think you know, now it's just beaming. It looks fabulous. And I mean, I don't think people realise the level of detail someone like you goes to. But you had travertine floors that were in um, that was kind of um, embedded in the floor with a rose-coloured grouting yeah. that really disturbed you. Yes, well, it, it did because when you look at it, looked at it, you just saw grids of red you know, terracotta. Yeah. Uh, bands and I thought this this can't I said to Graham Fisher this can't be original Guilford Bell surely he goes no no this has been all of that grout has been uh, you know grounded out and replaced with epoxy I said well it's got to come up (laughs) unfortunately there was acres of it and so it was expensive and we had to be careful because of the subfloor heating but look the difference it made was phenomenal and you know now you can walk on it it's got that lovely patina Mm. can't even feel the joints the um, so Graham was actively involved in the restoration renovation, um, new kitchen, bathroom vanities came from the Barbican in London. Well, one one one, one uh, wall mounted sink here, yeah, which got cracked in the building process. But we we retiled all the bathrooms with Basata, and we put in new. Sh- I didn't couldn't quite get over the purple tessellated tiles, Stephen. We so, <laughs> and the apricot sinks had to go, but we, we we were faithful. We put in period basins. We kept the Royal Dalton uh, loose and that sort of thing because mm. I thought it was important to have everything, uh, you know, happily together. And and then we basically recarpeted, repainted, uh, did a lot of maintenance around the garden because the garden was had gone to pot a bit. Mm. And I think it's come up quite it's well. It's beautiful. Look, at 1972 from memory mm-hmm. uh, and built for Bill, Bill Seckel, who was Guilford yeah. Bell's builder, who did a lot of work with him. Yeah. Um, Bill designed a lot of Melbourne's hospitals, so uh, the place is built really solidly. What do you look for in a house? Or you don't know until you see it? Uh, look, because you've had some great yeah. abodes, and they've all been quite different. But the, there must be a link that says, "I have, I can live here. I need to live here." What is it? Do you think? Yeah, I think. Look, it has to be something a bit different, but it has to be beautiful. Uh, there are many places that are different, but they're not beautiful. There's angles going everywhere, and I like purity of form. I do. I'm a bit of a sucker for symmetry. I think it has to make best use of where it is. I think there have to, has to be sort of garden views from most rooms. 
Uh, and that was the case with this house, like a lot of Guildford's. Every room has a courtyard view. And when you're sitting at the top of the F-shaped floor plan, you actually can look through three separate windows right through to the front of the property. It is So you get that wonderful enfilade, yeah. I mean, it is an, a truly exceptional house. I think um, there's very few to compare it yeah. to. Why is it that so many of Guildford's houses have been pulled down? I cannot understand it because yeah. they're timeless. Mm. They were generally built for quite a wealthy clientele who wanted quality. Why is it there are so few Guildford Bell houses left now? I think that's a very difficult question to answer, but it comes down to personal taste. But you ask yourself, look, why do you purchase the house if you're going to tear it down, unless mm. you're just going to develop the property or put mm. in an underground car park? Mm. I mean, this is the problem these days, and we're seeing a lot of our mid-century icons knocked down. We're mm. seeing Marcus Martin houses, Des Brown near houses torn down, and I really think they should be protected because they're So is the problem children. with the heritage controls? Yeah, I think so. I don't... We I haven't don't, come to terms with heritage. I don't think enough properties are heritage or national trust listed. I think we need to take stock of that and have a look at which houses really should be on the registry. And I think equally that the interior should be protected. I mean, the Roy Grounds house interior was totally decimated. And it was the whole point of that house was the interior. So, the first one or the second one? The, the Hill Street house. house. So heritage, whilst it protects the colour of the paint and the exterior. exterior, does not protect the interior. And half the fun of a lot of these houses is the interior. I think what I've learnt from you, Martin, is that you don't like things generally that have been badly altered. No. I remember your reaction when you recently saw a Graham Gunn house and we mentioned where it is. But I I remember your comments. You said, I like it, but I don't love it. And you just said, oh, I would have just preferred to have it the way it was. Yeah. And is that, that's a problem. Because you just feel like you've lost the original grain. Yeah, I do. I I love going into a house that's completely original. I don't care if the (laughs) PowerPoints and the switches and the lavatories are original. Mm. That's even better. Uh, And... uh, yeah, if a house has been messed with, it's like, okay, fine, out the door. Yeah. But uh, if it's original, I get a, a connection with the architect immediately. And the history. Yeah, and his vision or her vision and the history. And I think, wow, this is something else. And it's been treasured for generation yeah. after generation. But sadly, Martin, you're in a category on your own, or very mm. few, because I think the trend at the moment is people want to literally, it sounds awful, but urinate on their block Mm. and they want to do something that just is for them, but they don't really understand the history of a Mm. house or where it's come from or the designer's intent. And you lose something so special. I can understand that some people want to put their stamp on a place and their personality on it, or they want to change it to suit them. But then I think to myself, well, why did you choose that place? You know, did you choose it uh, because of the original intent of the architect? Yeah. I, I was very upset when they went and, in my opinion, buggered up the National Gallery. Uh, you wouldn't have been the only one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's a bit like saying, let's just get that Picasso and we'll just tweak this line and that line because I don't really like it any longer. I mean, these are 
in essence, works of art. And who cares if it's a bit dated? I mean, sure, mm. make the... Well, that's what I think the problem generally is today with architects yeah. and architecture, is that we're after the latest, but really, do we need an ensuite bathroom? If you can yeah. just walk across the corridor yeah. to something great, why go to all the expense yeah. of having to relocate yeah. a bathroom? No, I'm with you, Stephen. I, I don't need to go in and see uh, a cinema <laughs> and a cellar and uh, an underground squash court, which is now becoming the Vogue. Is that the Vogue? <laughs> it's interesting how things change because oh, yeah. media rooms are out, apparently. Right, are they? Um, okay. And now with squash, I didn't know this month, so you've told me something, but squash rooms are in. Yeah. And um, Well, I have it at television. My televisions aren't on the wall, Steve. <laughs> Martin, what are you, if you were moving next, which you probably will be moving at some point, yeah. what what are you looking for next if you if you... I mean, is there yeah, an architecture is. who's on your radar or is it just you'll know it when you see it? No, look, I'm over renovations. <laughs> I don't want to do any more. I've had enough. There's like 10 things a day that you have to attend to and it's, it's a busy life as it is. But no, I actually could be quite happy in a Victorian and um, having a bit of my passion uh, around the house and that is Polynesian art. So mm. centuries-old carvings from Polynesia, not New Guinea, yeah. Polynesia, and a bit of taxidermy. Mm. And um, you know some maybe darker and and warmer sort of environment. The yeah. Guilford Bell House is quite stark. It's like an art gallery. Yeah, it is. It's sort of black and white and yeah. travertine hard surfaces. It's so probably yearning for something a bit more homely. Yeah. Uh, which will be nice. Well, look, um, I'd just like to say I wish there were a few more Martin Hiscox in this world. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think they're few and far between. And um, it is sad that you don't have to have a licence to buy some of these houses because it is sad when you see something just go in a direction that is so against the original intent of the architect. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sure even with your move in the next life, you could become a designer because um, everything I've seen, Martin, I've, I've just thought, wow. Give up the day jobs. Give Stephen. up the day job. <laughs> but uh, look, thanks for coming oh, in pleasure. today. You've been with uh, hearing uh, Martin Hiscock and Stephen Crafty, talking designer at RMIT. Thanks so much for listening.